Thanks for listening to the Bold City Bros. Catch us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts every Monday evening. Also follow us on Instagram at Bold City Bros Podcast or Twitter at Bold City Bros. Also visit our website at boldcitybros.home.blog. Welcome to episode four of the Bold City Bros podcast. We got big stuff today. Huge. Huge. Massive. Um, okay, so let's just get right to it. Dalton, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a fat while since we've done the podcast, so I'm ready to get into it. Let's get after it. Cam, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, actually. Why is that? Because I'm breathing and I'm chilling. It's a great combo. That's, yeah. If I'm not breathing or I'm not chilling, <laughs> I'm not no, okay. We got, we got fat problems. Dude, how are you doing, Graham? You weren't doing too hot earlier. No, dude, I had a fat migraine earlier. Uh, got a nice little bath. Got a nice little nappy nap. It's and 2019. I'm, dudes take naps. It's 2019. We take naps. I'm I'm ready to get after it, dude. Dude, excited to have you on the podcast today, Graham. Thanks dude, for coming. thanks, bro. <laughs> dude, I do what I can. I appreciate that. All dude. right, so let's get right into it. Right, in case you missed it. We have more content than we've had since we started this pod. So, in case you missed it, we got a couple things to go through. Um, this past Thursday was the Hall of Fame game. Featuring Yay. the Denver Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons. Um, really a pretty horrendous game. Bad. As, yeah. As always. Very, as, very as bad. As the Hall of Fame game always is. I mean, pretty much everyone watches like the first 10 minutes of the Hall of Fame game because it's football, and then they're like, okay, this is terrible. Like, oh, football is back. Oh, my God. But they sucks. had the first challenge on a pass, the interference. pass interference. Yeah, that is true. Crazy. We did see that. And it did not get overturned. Yeah, and it was blatantly pass interference. So it was. That was pretty Yeah, bad. so... <laughs> The only, really, really the only storyline I was somewhat interested in before the game was seeing Drew Locke and see how he played. Yeah. And he looked really bad. Like, yeah, really he had bad. seven completions for a total of 34 yards. <sighs> That's tough. That's 3.9 yards per attempt because he had 11 attempts total. That's real. And his coach keeps throwing, it, throwing him under the bus. <laughs> his coach <laughs> said that he throws like a baseball player. Oh, my gosh. He's an NFL quarterback. Dude, that's tough to hear. Is it too early to call him uh, check down Drew? Check down Drew? <laughs> Dude, seriously, if your running back has a higher average rushing per carry than you have a higher uh, yards per attempt, you're, you're, you're check down something. something. You're check down something. You have to be. Check down Chad was a legend in Jacksonville. <laughs> check down Chad. That, that is true. He had like 25 completions for 140 yards. <laughs> That's tough, dude. Um, okay, so uh, next two things, non-Jags related, but certainly NFL related. Uh, Tom Brady got a new deal with the Patriots, two years, $70 million. He is now the sixth highest paid quarterback in the league. Two-year deal, $70 million. So you, you've at least locked him up for two more years. I think the two years is more important than $70 million here, at least for his deal, because you're looking at a guy who just turned 42. His birthday was two days ago, I believe. Yeah, and that's an extension. He already was good for 2019, so this is through 2021. Um, next up, uh, Michael Thomas, wide receiver for the Saints, became the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. Yeah, go Bucks. OH. <laughs> NFL U. Michael Thomas, former, <laughs> former Ohio State legend and 21 Savage twin. <laughs> he does like 21 Savage. Um, but his deal... Five years, ninety-six million. Five years is crazy. But I mean, you think about it. You're talking about a receiver going into his third year or fourth year. Uh, fourth. Fourth year. Pretty much entering his prime. Obviously, really good. And that team knows that if they don't have elite weapons around Drew Brees at this point in his career, they're gonna struggle. Not that Drew Brees isn't still really good, but Drew Brees needs help. He needs guys to throw to. Drew Brees really loves downfield threat receivers. That's exactly what Michael Thomas is. So that's a lot of money invested in a wide receiver, but I understand it. I think it makes sense for what kind of what kind of situation the Saints are in. Um, okay, so getting into more Jags talk as far as in case you missed it. Um, the Jaguars released their unofficial depth chart. Was that today, I believe? We're I recording, we are recording this on Sunday. I think it was August today. 5th. Um, yes. 
the Jaguars will release their, release their unofficial depth chart. What does that look like? Some things that stood out to me, first of all, was that um, at starting right tackle is Cedric. How do you how do you say his last name? Obwehi. Obwehi. Cedric Obwehi. The G is silent. It's like it's really weirdly spelled, but it's Obwehi. Gotcha. He's starting over Juwan Taylor as of right now. And then at that'll tight, probably change with time, I bet. Yeah, I'm sure. And then at starting uh, tight ends, we have Jeff Swain and James O'Shaughnessy. So Josh Oliver is at third string as of now, um, and that's not. They've put injured people in the depth chart, so that's not because of his injury. And then uh, running back, uh, Alfred Blue is a backup. It's kind of a question if it's going to be Blue or Armstead or Cunningham, but it's uh, Burnett, then Blue, then Armstead, then Cunningham. And then another thing that stood out to me was Avery Jones is starting at nose tackle, and then Darius is starting at defensive tackle. So, so Calais is just not going to play? No, Calais is at strong side DN. So we have Ngakwe starting at edge and then Josh Allen behind him. So what's the receivers looking like? Receivers? I don't, I don't even want to look at receivers. Uh, Wait, the receivers I'm going to bet is going to be... I mean, it's pretty predictable. It's going to be Conley, Westbrook, Chark. Rutley. Oh, yeah, because you said they list injured guys. Lee is probably four on there, I would say, right? Oh, he's one. What? Yeah, of course. He's a high. Dude, he's the starter. But, I mean, in camp, the everyone's been talking about the top three. All, know, all the reports I've been hearing is that Marquise Lee was going to have a tough time finding a significant role coming back. If we're paying Marquise Lee $10 million a year and he's fourth on depth chart, that's not a good look. So. I mean, I agree, but, like, he's been hurt, and the, the other three guys have looked really good in camp. Trust so. me, Graham. I'm with you. Should be number four, but he's number one. And then after that's uh, Chris Conley, DJ uh, Shark, Keelan Cole, Terrell Pryor. In okay. That order. And then what about uh, Marcus Sims? Marcus Sims, um, him and the rest of receivers kind of back there, kind of all grouped together. So, is there really any chance Marcus Sims makes the team? I mean, let's have seven wide receivers. I don't want to yeah, see that. Yeah, there's no way they keep seven. I think the cutoff is a Cole. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think they'd be more likely to cut Keelan Cole than they would be to keep Marcus Sims. Yeah. Not that I think they will cut Keelan Cole, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I got you. And then uh, a linebacker, we have... This is kind of interesting. Middle linebacker, Miles Jack. It's official. He is staying right. Mike. Official, thank God. Officially unofficial. And then we have Leon Jacobs starting at strong side linebacker. Not Jake Ryan. But Jake well, Ryan, Jake Ryan's still hurt, right? He is injured, but, but oh, still. I keep, I keep forgetting that they, yeah, you're yeah, right. Still, they, they're keeping him um, as a backup. And then Quincy is at weak side. And then um, not only really any surprises after that, DD's still the um, punt returner. Chark is still the kick returner. So that's that's about it for the depth chart. Okay, other, other quick training camp notes. Uh, a bunch of reports that Jeff Swaim is the best tight end or looks the best so far particularly looks better than josh oliver and josh oliver's injured so that's going to be interesting to keep to keep looking at moving forward especially with as we've talked about how much nick Foles loves tight ends if jeff swain becomes a key component then i mean i'm cool with that i'm cool with any any of the tight ends emerging um, please, someone um, emerge. <laughs> yeah, please, somebody somebody be a standout. My God. I could see Swaim doing that, but, like, I don't think I've ever seen a good tight end in my entire life, so I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> that's D- definitely not wearing teal and black. No, that's for sure. Not Kyle Brady, bro. If Kyle Brady's the best tight end in franchise history, you got, you got yeah, problems. You got problem. problem. No, Mercedes Lewis, dude. Have you seen how he blocks? <laughs> That's how you know you haven't had any good tight ends. If if, you, if the first thing you say is, have you seen how he blocks? Um, other thing, Jags left for Baltimore today. Um, again, we're recording this Sunday, August 5th. They left for Baltimore today. They'll be there the rest of the week, and they play their first preseason game on Thursday. At 7.30. 7.30 a.m. We will be having a, a <laughs> no, p.m. We'll be having a live watch party. At Mellow Mushroom at 7.30 on Thursday. So $2 wine for girls. So if you're a dude and you're trying to watch the game, bring a girl to buy you drinks. Yes. And also last week it was $2. Uh, what was it? Uh, Yingling. Yingling. Yeah. I mean, Yingling's a shit beer. but Yeah, Yingling's terrible. But if you're, I mean, if you're a Yingling guy, then come on. Or if you're just a 21-year-old college kid and you want cheap beers. So. Yeah, but I, <laughs> that as well. 
Um, also, Nick Foles on, I believe, Thursday threw his first interception of camp. Two? Against. That is huge. None other than the third-round draft pick out of Murray State, Quincy Williams. Quincy Williams. Who we're going to talk about more later in the pod. Um, okay. Do we know move what, on. Wait, we know what day that is camp-wise? Was it seven or eight? I I'm think not it sure. was not eight. It was a four eight. He, he threw a second one at eight. All I know is day three of camp last year, Blake threw five interceptions. <laughs> yeah, no, it, this is definitely a change of pace. That's why I'm for sure. This is not something we're used to out of the quarterback position. But we definitely need to talk about is the biggest news of training camp that drop. Was that today that Yannick or Yannick reported, or is that yesterday? So that was today. Yannick reported today, and we knew today was kind of the make or break day because of unrestricted free agency and restricted free agency. Now, I'm not going to lie, until not too long ago, unrestricted versus restricted, unrestricted versus restricted was confusing to me, and I kind of understood it, but not fully. Um, Restricted free agency is so weird to me. Yeah, it is weird. Basically, the difference is... If you are a restricted free agent, then the team that currently has your rights can match whatever offer another team offers, and they get to keep you. And they have to put a um, a draft tender on you, don't they? Is that how it still works? Yes, yeah. yes. No, right. they do. But, like, either way, the Jaguars with Unique specifically can just match whatever anyone else will offer and Unique has to stay with the Jaguars. Yeah, so Versus, the his contract. And the reason that that matters is because Unique has no leverage at that point. He yeah. can't leverage leaving because the Jaguars don't have to top anybody. They just have to match. The Jaguars don't really have to do any work. They can just wait for another team to just make the contract for them, and then they can do it. Granted, that might that's going to be more money because a team with cap space is going to offer Unique and Gakwe more than... Maybe the Jaguars will next year. Who knows? We don't know what we'll be willing to give, what the Jaguars will be willing to give in Gakwe in a year. But the reason that he reported today, August 5th, is because if he were to have reported tomorrow, then this year does not count as one of his years as a step toward unrestricted free agency. This year was his last year where he would be considered restricted. So what that means is at the end of this football season, he will be an unrestricted free agent. And he, can, he can go wherever the hell he wants. He can stay in Jacksonville. He can go somewhere else. And at that point, he has a lot of leverage. But that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen? He's going to be franchise tagged. Worst case scenario for him. That is true. He probably, he honestly probably will get franchise tag, which really sucks. And that's him. why we need to talk about the deal that, the, that he was offered. Yeah, we do. What um, were the details on that again, Cam? It was definitely a short term two or three. Yeah, it was short term. I don't the, know if it actually came out what it was. It was the report a specific number. The report didn't say the specific number of years, but, but it was we're all We're all pretty much in agreement annual. it was two. 19 annual, yeah. you said? Yeah, because three years, that's not really short term. And then it obviously wasn't longer than that. And then it obviously wasn't a one-year deal. Yeah. So it has to be two years. But anyway, it was two years worth, quote, around, unquote, $19 million per year. He should have taken that. He totally should have taken that. That's about what he's worth. Dude, I don't know what his agent's worth. What is the franchise tag number for defensive ends? For defensive end, it's $17 million. So that'll change next year. Probably go up a million, give or take. But uh, and that's what I'm saying. Either you sign a two or three year deal, and get paid nineteen million dollars a year. Probably he'll probably fill out that contract because he's probably worth that. Or you report, make like what two million dollars this year. Making, he's making two million this year, yeah. And then get franchise tagged for eighteen million dollars next year, still on a shorter term deal because it's only a one year deal. So you're literally you're have. making literally like half the money. Yes, because you're making. Let's assume that he does get franchised next year. And let's just let's assume the market bumps it up, bumps the franchise tag for DNs up one million. That means that over that between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, Unique and Gakwe made right around twenty million dollars. Mm-hmm. If you take that short term nineteen million dollar deal, 
you made around $36 million. Yes. If it was two years, if it was three years, or 38, 1998, 19, 38. Yeah, sorry, right. 38, sorry. Um, assuming it was two years. If it was three years, then he, he definitely should have taken it. But assuming it was two years, he is making half as much. Yeah, no, it had to have been two years because that was the main reason he turned it down, was he wanted a longer-term deal. And three-year contracts are kind of rare for defensive ends, too. I feel like they either stick with short-term stuff or you sign them for, like, you know, four or five years or whatever. Yeah. So it had to have been two years. There's no way it was longer than that. The main thing in the reports about it was that it was short-term. And three years, is is three years really that short-term? That's not, not a short really. side, but, like, not really, yeah. Yeah, because it had to have been two years. But either way, you're literally looking at... You're, I mean, you're sacrificing a lot of cash there. Eight, yeah. You're losing $18 million over the next two years. And when you're making $2 million this year, when you've made less than a $1 million the last two years and you've performed like a pro bowler, how are you going to sacrifice this kind of money, especially considering you've missed 11 days' worth of camp? And I read Philip Hammond's article in The Athletic. By skipping mandatory minicamp in June and holding out for the first 11 days of training camp, and Gakwe totaled $528,650 in fines, or 26.1% of his $2.025 million base salary. I was going to say a quarter, that's a quarter of his salary. He just wasted a quarter of his salary. Here's the thing. A lot of teams do look the other way with those. And it's not because they don't want the money. Obviously, we know that NFL teams are greedy as hell, and they'll take all the money they can possibly get. But it's really because if you become known as one of those teams that's in a, that's anal about that, and if you become known as a team that has Tom Coughlin running your front office, it makes it hard to get free agents later on. Yeah, let me ask a question then. Who looks worse, the Jags or Unique's camp? I think... Unique's looks way worse. I 100% agree that it's Unique's camp. Dude, I like like I said before, like who is this agent? Like he literally, if his obviously his concern was money, obviously how much he's getting, and longevity seems like to almost be the primary concern, and so he took a a two or three year deal, we're assuming two, that he could have you know restructured or extended at some point, and now he's making two million dollars this year, maybe 1.5 now because of the fines. And then what if he has a bad year? What if he gets hurt? What if he gets hurt and has a bad year? Now he's making $5 million next year or nothing. What if he tears ACL? And yeah, because, because next year the Jaguars turns. can let him walk with no cap hit, nothing. Yeah. They dude. let him walk, they're fine. I think it, if you look at it different, there's different ways to look at it. The Jags are doing this out of just running a business. Oh, yeah. Fans want to say, oh, they're not respecting our player. They're running a business. And they're doing this solely because of the money in the cap space. They're using their like smarts because they have cap space that they have to use this year, obviously next year. Injuries happen in the preseason. And if we paid Unique all of the money that we had rest of the cap space and a player goes down and we need to sign a replacement or a few players to replace this player, we don't have any more cap space rest this year. Yeah, we only have $8 million right now. Why do fans celebrate when players get paid? Yeah, I don't know. That hurts your team. Dude, if that, you if you are a fan of a certain team and your team paid whoever, you know, huge money, if it's not, if you're not talking, if the person they paid wasn't like Aaron Donald or like Khalil Mack or freaking Aaron Rodgers or something, nine times out of ten it hurts your team. And nine times out of ten, if you gave someone that's kind of that second echelon of player a huge contract, that means that you didn't believe in your staff and your front office to either A, go get somebody else in free agency, or draft well enough to replace that person if you lose them. This is why the Patriots pay no one. Because if they lose someone, it's like, cool, we'll just draft Sony Michelle. Yeah. He'll turn out to be really good. You know, we'll just draft this guy. We'll pick up this scrap tight end off the streets, and he'll per- he'll be great. And they can do crap like that. But it, when fans get so excited over every single player that gets a long term deal, and it's like, do you not understand how the salary cap works? To go to go back to your Patriots point, there's 
so many players in the past that you can think of that have been Patriots and have made like career years. And I think of like Brandon Cooks and Danny Amendola. If either of those players had done the things that they did on a different team, I feel like those teams would have signed them to huge contracts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every team in the league besides the Patriots would have scrapped and clawed to keep Brandon Cooks last year. Exactly. And the Patriots were like, bye. They're like, you right. want You want more money? Peace. Appreciate the help, but you're going somewhere We'll else. just go win the freaking Super Bowl. <laughs> no big deal. But anyway, back to Ngakwe. Um, is Yana Jaguar next year? Dude. Well, next I, year meaning going into the 2020 season. I would, it totally depends what happens to Josh Allen. I would agree. Totally depends. If Josh Allen's a star, you think he's out for sure. Yeah, and and I think it depends on what happens to Calais Campbell, too. If Calais Campbell keeps playing level he's at and we just continue the rest of his contract, I think it's two more years left. Um, I think Jan doesn't have a chance. Um, or, and I think also depends on, I remember this was a this was an argument that um, Le'Veon Bell was making because the um, the Steelers wanted to franchise tag him Again, for the purpose of trading him. And the NFLPA was like filing grievances because the whole point of the franchise tag is to have them on your team again, not to franchise right, yeah. tag them to trade them. Yeah. And so. Because you become more. Le'Veon Bell at that point becomes a more valuable trade asset because he's on a short term deal. Yeah, because like, yeah, I definitely don't want you, want you on my team, your locker room cancer, or like, or with Jan's situation, great in locker room, but we don't need you. We have two star defense ends. We don't need you, but we can either let you walk for nothing. Or we can franchise tag you, you get a pick out of it. That's another example of good business. They tried it. Yeah. The NFLPA wasn't about that, so it yeah. didn't work. Yeah, I can't remember exactly if they like if there was actually an argument and one side won or not, or kind of Steelers just kind of backed off from it. But um, I can never see something like that happening. Like you said, good business. That would be a good strategy to try, depending on what the the past happened in the past with them, what they think get away with. But I think next year. I think he will not be a Jaguar as of this point. Just a quick thing. It is so unbelievable how every CBA, the NFLP, the NFLPA just dicks themselves further and further Dude, and I, further. I feel like it's not that hard, bro. The you NFLPA have, is so bad at their job. I don't understand how you have one organization, right, of owners, the NFL, and you have one organization of players, the PA, and like somehow the PA just screws himself. Like you literally are you're, you're negotiating with one person, and it's always like weird stuff. Like the whole like for like the like we we're talking about early with the draft picks, like how they get paid like kind of weirdly, like so much different than they did in the past. And it's like restricted free agency at all. It's kind of like a weird concept. And the whole like franchise tag, transition tag, just screws players over. You understand how they dig themselves these holes? Because it's because you're dealing with a bunch of guys that played football for a living and they're going up against a bunch of career businessmen i guess so and the career businessmen owners they know how to do this stuff the nflpa does not the nflpa just gets screwed every time because the owner the owner make no mistake the owners know exactly what they're doing every time they go into these negotiations the governors the governors yeah sorry the the governors (laughs) um they waive this franchise tag thing like a freaking piece of meat in front of these guys and they say oh look you know we'll we'll guarantee your rights for a year and we'll pay you the average of the top five players at your position and you think oh that's a lot of money hell yeah and they don't even take into account they don't think about that that's a one-year deal how do you not like you played you played football you know what injuries do to your body you know how easily it is to get hurt how do you accept that on the table? Every – they all, like – no one wants to play under the franchise tag, and yet they agreed to it. Everyone, <laughs> yeah, no, they agreed. They, they, like, that was like a really good bartering tool for them. Like, they <laughs> love that. And have you ever heard of a situation where a player was happy to get the franchise tag? It's ever. never ended well. They always threatened to sit out the year or request a trade. I think the only person I've ever met that was chill with the franchise tag was Josh Scobie, and that's because he knew he wasn't getting hurt. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome, dude. But speaking of, like the whole owner governor type thing, like this, like coming from an economics background of FSU, like is there any other position, whether like anywhere in the workforce, where you sign a contract, right, 
and that contract ends, and all of a sudden your employer can be like, no, you work for me for another year for the price I decide. It's literally like slavery. Like, I understand how the franchise tag even became a thing. Like, you sign a contract, it ends. You should be free to walk. But somehow, the NFLPA, they have a union, and their bargain was, you can literally tell me whatever you want for a whole year. And I, yeah. if I don't like it, I just don't work at all. I'm telling you, dude, it happens every single lockout, every single new CBA. The owners, I'm telling you, these owners are career businessmen. They know exactly what they're doing. So they dangle things in front of these guys that seem really attractive. Getting paid the average of the top five players at your position seems really attractive. And the owners have things in the back of their head that they know really help them out and really screw the players, but the players can't, they, they, they can't see it. The team cap space for each player uh, or for each team this year is $200 million. So times 32 over the history of the NFL, you're telling me you can't hire better bargainers and negotiators for the NFLPA to like get a decent CBA. It's because they hire a bunch of ex-players that are career football players. I'm telling you, that that's what, that's what it is. Anyway, we need to move right, on. Well, Graham. What's up? Is Unique on the team next year? Oh, is Unique on the team next year? I think yes, because I think he's going to get franchised. Because I believe that Josh Allen will be a star. I believe he will do well. But we do need to pump the brakes. He got stopped by Josh Wells a couple times in camp. So, not saying Josh Allen won't be really good. <laughs> but I do think it'll take some time. And as does any elite pass rusher, it always takes them a little bit of time. Um... So I think that by the end of by the end of next year we'll be talking about Josh Allen as an ascendant player, but not quite what we want out of him fully. And I believe that this year, if this lines up with how I think the Jaguars finish, which I I, I see the Jaguars as finishing as like an eight and eight, nine and seven, ten and six, that kind of range team. The Jaguars are going to look into next year thinking that they are a knocking on the door team and that they're in win now mode. So they're going to do something like franchise and to put the most talent possible on the 2020 field. So that's, I think in is on the team for two more years after that, after 2020, I don't think they signed him for a long-term deal. I think he's out because I think at that point you look at Josh Allen becoming a real true star and you're, you're starting to think about paying him down the road and you're not even in in the back of your mind. Calais Campbell's looking at retirement at that point. I think you move on. But for 2020, that's my long answer to the short question. In 2020, I think he is on the team. I I agree. I I think it's pretty easy to say that he will be on the team coming into 2020. I there's ways that I like they could attack this. Either Unique sees that he might be losing himself money for 2020, and there's a chance they just agreed to a contract extension still I this year. Yeah, I think that's possible. I still think, I think that's possible. definitely a possibility. It's possible, and, and it could happen at any time. Yeah. Because like, he, Telvin Smith got a new contract in the middle of the year. Yeah, it, it, he might see himself as, like, wow, they really, like, they're kind of screwing me here because the franchise tag will be lower than what I was being offered, and I might lose money for next year. And they're like, you know what, let's just agree to a number now so I can lock it yeah. up. Or he bets on himself. Continues to play on his rookie contract, signs a franchise tag or whatever, asks for a trade, and because someone else will pay him. That's what he can say. But I think the easy answer is yes, he'll be on the team, and I think they'll probably I, – I still think they're going to sign him long term. If Ngakwe plays out this year on his rookie deal, I say it's almost no chance he's here. Oh, it's over. The, the Jags year. will they'll, – they'll lose that. Yeah. They'll lose if he play if he has a like a really like a the best year he's had so far it's over the Jags lost he'll go somewhere else and get a big big contract yeah but still got the franchise tag still got it bro <laughs> it's just good business <laughs> um, anyway let's move on to a couple other um, nuggets of training camp Quincy Williams and Josh Oliver. The this two third-round picks this are is bad news. both injured. This is not good. Not good! Very bad! Yes! Quincy Williams has a slightly torn meniscus, and Josh Oliver has a significant, according to Doug Marone, significant hamstring injury. Um, and before the meniscus tear, 
Doug Marone said two very interesting things about Quincy Williams. First, that he has taken the most reps out of anyone in camp so far. And secondly, that during the play, he was, quote-unquote, the fastest player on the field. He always was. I mean, look at his tape. Like, to the ball, he's the fastest guy to the ball. Um, D.D. Westbrook didn't take kindly to that on Twitter. (laughs) He was messing around saying, come on, coach, you know I'm the fastest guy, whatever, whatever. Um, Dalton, tell me who Najee Good is. So, Najee Good, um, he's a veteran. He played, I think the most recent team was the Colts, I believe. But uh, he's been playing in place for Quincy Williams, who, like we mentioned earlier, is the unofficial starter. And um, I think he's been going for two days now. Playing. Just so we, we clear this up, because not everyone's been following the reports like we have. For all intents and purposes, if he's ready to go week one, Quincy Williams is the weak side linebacker. Yeah, week for one. sure. Easily. I think that is, I mean, um, I think the linebackers are pretty much set, except of what's happening at Sam. I think Leon Jacobs or Jake Ryan can end up Sam. Really depends on Jake Ryan's health. Yeah, for sure. But um, for all intents and purposes, uh, Miles Jack is a middle linebacker. Quincy Williams will be playing weak side. I don't think there's really any concern about them two. And then in the nickel package, I'm sure it will be Miles Jack and Quincy Williams on the field. Doug Marone made it sound like he's not worried at all about Quincy Williams. Like, he'll he'll be playing week one. That's what it made it seem like. Yeah, I remember from what I read, this kind of thing is like a four- to five-week thing. So, like, by week one, they expect him to be, like, pretty much healthy. Whether they'll keep him out a couple more weeks or not, just to, like, let it heal. Really, to me, more of the concern is not him being healthy, ready to go week one, but him being ready. Like, ready. Like, yeah, true. We're, we're, playing, we're playing Kansas City, and you got to be oh. on your pieces. Yeah, like you're, you're talking Mahomes week one. Getting used to the NFL is hard enough. If you were playing the Dolphins, it'd be hard. And you're playing probably the best offense in football. Dude. And you're also dealing with a really athletic quarterback. I want to see Quincy Williams chasing down Pat Mahomes. That'd be, that'd be That's a dream. Yeah, that is a dream. And him, instead of a Rykel Armstead's helmet knocking off, Patrick Mahomes helmet. <laughs> that was rough. Bro, if you're out of position against the Chiefs, like one play, like the Chiefs are going to take advantage of it. They're yeah. just nasty. That's just what they do. Well, hopefully while he's recovering, he'll be hopefully in the books. In the book, yeah. In the books. Hopefully he's just constantly watching Pat Mahomes tape and just studying the hell out of him. Hopefully. Honestly, if you can't play and you know that that's probably your next time on the field is week one of the regular season – just study the hell out of that. Yeah, man. it's time to get ready. Just know everything you there is to know because physically you're going to be a little behind. So study everything there is to know about Pat Mahomes and be ready to kick his ass. But uh, but Wunaji good. It seems like it sounds like he's been doing very good for the past couple. Like he's kind of been the standout name. So it looks like we have a decent uh, backup until Quincy Williams returns. So I think that would depend on um, how Wunaji good continues to do well. That would uh, change the timeline for Quincy's return because obviously you don't want to rush him back because you have a competent backup. So we'll see how that goes when regular season starts. And then um, moving to the other side of the ball, Josh Oliver with his hamstring injury. So it's like, what the hell, man? But it sounds like Josh Oliver, no matter what happened with his injury, he was going to be the the third backup. You yeah, because you're talking, you're literally talking Jeff Swain, O'Shaughnessy. Than Oliver, yeah. So, but apparently Jeff Swain has been a little bit. It concerns me a lot. We, we talked about earlier in the last pod that we Josh Oliver being good was very important for Nick Foles and what we can do on offense. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Swain and James O'Shaughnessy looking better than our third round tight end or fourth round tight end is. Good. I will say we know more about O'Shaughnessy. We know his ceiling. We know what he is. Jeff Swain is a little bit more of an unknown. I guess being an unknown means you have a higher ceiling just because we don't necessarily know who you are yet. But, I mean, it, like, if Jeff Swain ends up being really good, then cool. I don't really care. But, I mean, out of all the tight ends, the one that I'm hearing is being really impressive. I didn't want to be Jeff Swain. I wanted yeah. to be Josh Oliver. So, you know, yeah. that sucks. But James O'Shaughnessy is an absolute asset in Madden 20. <laughs> problem. He insane. He is an absolute problem. He is a problem. Nick Foles and James O'Shaughnessy is OP in Madden 20. <laughs> it's actually insane. I hope that's like the case in real life, but O'Shaughnessy has shown me little to nothing about Dude, anything. That's, that's how you got to decide. I've always decided how much I like Jags players based on how they do in Madden. I always do like the weak side outside linebacker blitz, which is why I was obsessed with Justin Durant. 
and like oh nine and i'm obsessed with sean constantine purely based off of madden so if that means anything hopefully it'll translate on the field hopefully so josh oliver okay actually this is important that we we forgot to mention quincy williams is listed as being out four to six weeks they're hoping that's closer on the side of four because they play the chiefs in just about four weeks josh oliver is six to eight weeks a little bit longer and what i'm scared about is by that point uh, offenses are more complex than defenses so it's a lot easier to get behind so i'm concerned that by that point you know we're going to be set in stone riding the swaym and o'shaughnessy train and you know for his whole rookie year we just forget who josh oliver is yeah, i think that's definitely do you know what his timeline for coming back is six to eight weeks Oh, oh, damn, dude. That's I know. That's, so that's what I'm saying. You're talking about, you know, earliest week three. And you, you know how these are. When it's six to eight, it's always closer to eight. Yeah. A lot of times it ends up being nine or ten. It's like, it's like fucking construction. <laughs> yeah. Whenever they give you a date, it's always later. Every time. It's like when I tell you I'll be, I'll be there at a certain time. Yeah. I'm like a guaranteed hour or two hours later. <laughs> um, okay, so let's move on to the first preseason game. The first Jags game of the year. Like we mentioned, the Jaguars headed to Baltimore earlier today on, again, Sunday, August 5th. Um, And they'll be there all week. They will be doing joint practices with the Ravens the entire week. To me, the joint practices and what you hear from the joint practices are way more important than the preseason game anyway. But preseason game this Thursday... We'll be there at Mellow Mushroom. 7.30. You better come party with us. Um, if you come up to us and you say I'm here for the Bold City Bros, we will buy you a drink. That's a fact. Unless, $2 yingling. Unless we're already close friends with you and you just heard us say this and you're going to come for free drinks. but Yeah, that doesn't count. You can't abuse the system. You can't have met us in real life before. That sounds like a good rule. Yeah. So... Um, Jags at Ravens. Let's let's not limit this to just the preseason game because Foles might play one drive and be done. You know what I mean? If, do you think he'll play at all? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. He might not play at all. So let's not restrict this to just Thursday's game. Let's talk about the whole week while they're there, joint practice against the Ravens. Is there anything specific you want to see? You know, certain guys doing well, this, that. Whatever. I want to – so Baltimore is known for their defense, I feel like, at this point. Because Lamar Jackson's yeah. the popular player. But last year, their success was the defense. Yeah, for and sure. it has been for like 20 For years. a long yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely the Ravens' identity. I want to see – and I mean, I guess we can't physically see it, but I want to hear how our offense with Foles and our new look kind of offense is stacking up with Baltimore's defense. Well, like Earl Thomas. Yeah, because you're you're talking end. a top Earl three, four defense plays? in the NFL. Yeah, Earl Ravens? Thomas plays for the Ravens. I forgot about that. Yeah, Earl Thomas and the Ravens, but but yeah, you're talking a top three, four defense of football. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to see how we're like speed wise and playmaking and like what we're looking like against a good defense. We'll see it, I guess, if the players play for a drive, but practice is like a few hours where the starters are going at it. And we'll see. We'll have a better understanding from practice in the game easily. So I want to see how the offense looks. Right. Dalton, what do you want to see? Anything specific? One player, one I, side of the ball? I personally love preseason games because it's almost like um, it's almost like like you know that there's all these guys out there who this may be their last time ever playing football. This may be their last chance. They're at. fighting for their life. I'm fighting for my life. <laughs> yeah, so seriously, that's how it is. So like, I'm I'm excited to see the the little battles. Obviously, most of the rosters set, but I would love to see like a breakout wide receiver, kind of like, like Keelan Cole two years ago. Exactly, I would love to see something like that happen. I would he love to see like a some sixty yard bomb in preseason, and that secured him a roster name. spot. Dude, that was like a and ninety then, yard touchdown against the Patriots. It was fat. Yeah, it was. Didn't Chad Henney throw him the ball? Yeah, because Chad Henney was still the backup. Check down Chad. Check, check, check down Chad. <laughs> he didn't check down that play. Let's go, Chad. Um, but uh, continue. Yeah, yeah so, so I just I want to see. I don't really have anyone specific in mind, but I want to see. I want to see somebody emerge. 
not not someone that's already going to make a roster. I want to see a big play for someone that's on the edge. Do you prefer a side of the ball? Offense, because offense is what I'm more concerned about. Yeah, no, I agree. I I think if if there's a side of the ball to have a, a random breakout player we're not talking about right now, I would definitely prefer to be on offense. Yeah, for sure. And I'm also looking forward to the play calling. Because also we have John. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. I'm very, I'm very excited to see the play yes. calling. This I think we might actually have a competent offensive coordinator for the first time in 15 years. So. Wow, look at that. Um, my kind of thing I want to see, this is kind of random. I really want to see a fight. <laughs> like, what do you I don't, do? Like, like O-lineman, D-lineman fire? Like, wide receiver corner fight? Like, on an island? Or what are you looking for? I don't care who fights who. Um, you want to see Leonard Fournette running from the bench? No, right yeah. <laughs> if it could be anybody not named Leonard Fournette, that, like, that'd be cool. I'd actually prefer it be a rookie. That'd be hype. Like, I'd, I would be hype to hear or see a video of Jawan Taylor just mixing it up with somebody. Oh, that would, that'd be so And good. the is reason this, why... Is this in practice or in the game? Either one. Pre- preferably in practice. No, it's in the game. No, let's see it. Televise it. Well, bro, I mean... We you want bread and circuses. You know that someone's going to get a video of it anyway. True. You're going to see it regardless. It sounds like you can see it. But here's, here's the reason why I want to see a fight, besides just it would be fun to see a fight. So far, we've heard a lot of reports that this training camp has been kind of easier. On, on the team, Doug Marone's kind of backed off. And a huge reason of that is last year, this team was just hit so hard by injuries. And listen, some of those you can't control. But some of them... I feel like Doug Marone felt that he may have gone too hard in camp last year and players' bodies just broke down. So he's been kind of totally on the other side of that this year. Camp has been not, – not that camp's been easy. NFL training camp is not easy. But this has been a more mellow camp, relatively speaking. So I want to see a little fire. I want to see someone get pissed at a guy not wearing a Jags uniform. Get some passion out there. Get some passion. Get pissed off. Punch somebody in the face. Maybe not literally. Get in trouble. Get yelled at. <laughs> like, I want some tempers to flare, okay? Week two, three into training camp, tempers need to flare or else you're not you're doing something wrong if tempers aren't flaring. So that's what I want to see. Um, how much do y'all think the starters will play? Uh, hopefully not very much, dude. These Preseason, the injuries always – like, that's always what I'm thinking about when the starters are Does Jalen play at all? Yeah. He I will. mean, I think he will, but I, we're, he doesn't need to. We're the team that always plays our stars for some reason. It seems to never bite us, though, in preseason. Yeah. I think Foles plays two Except teams. Marquise Lee last year. Bro, well, no. that, you know what? That was a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. No, Foles plays two series. Um, I mean, I don't really expect – like, I'm not going to freak out if we don't score a touchdown in one of the two drives. I'm not going to be like, all right, it's time to think about guarding. Yeah, it's preseason. you, but I – it's going to be two drives, and we'll call it a day. Yeah, yeah, I agree. About two drives of starters, and that's about it. Okay, so uh, let's move on to Dalton's favorite segment. Yay! Pick of the week, baby! Pick of the week. It is that time of the week again, my friends, where we discuss one of the Jaguars' picks in the 2019 draft. And this week, we have Rykel Armstead, the running back out of Temple. We selected him in the fifth round at 142 overall. He is uh, 5'11", 220 pounds of violence. This man hits. He runs super similar to Leonard Fournette. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, he's uh, the third back on the roster. And from what I'm hearing from training camp, he is the second best running back. But I think we kind of have Alfred Blue at second just because he's kind of a lot different of a player. A change Leonard of pace guy. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to have, like, two Leonard Fournettes lined up in the roster together or getting the most play time. This ain't the 1980s. This ain't the 1980s. You need, you need someone that can catch the damn ball. Jesus. Tell Tom Coughlin that. <laughs> um, R.I.P. Corey Grant. All right, so anyway. So, oh, yeah, in case you missed it, Corey Grant got signed to the Packers. Dude, that makes me real sad. That, that is the biggest loss of the free agency. Could be a massive problem. Dude, if I see Corey Grant take off with Aaron Rodgers, I will die. You know who's calling plays? Who? The Jags. Hackett? Yes, bro. Jags old. Nah, old toast. It's over. Nathaniel Hackett. I'm not worried anymore. Curtains. Dude, do you think that actually like affected why Corey Grant went to? Probably. Packers. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, you you I see agree. that kind of yeah. stuff all the time. 100%. With, with kind of lower level guys like that, that like our fringe might make the roster, might not. 
Those connections help for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure Hackett saw like what Corey Grant could do. So and don't forget the fact that Matt Lafleur was the offensive coordinator for the Titans last year, coaching against Corey Grant. True. So yeah, that's true. And so anyway, back to Rocco Armstead. Um, he's a downhill runner, um, just like Leonard Fournette. Um, obviously not as good, not as good as cutting. Um, Rocco Armstead's hands are almost not even worth talking about when it comes to catching out of the backfield. Um, but he is a guy where if you have a fourth and one situation, he's maybe better than Leonard Fournette to have on the line because you know exactly where you can get from. You will not get a loss. He will hit that hole as hard as he can, which is a good thing and a bad thing. He doesn't really have much vision. But um, he hits hard, as we saw from the tape that came out of practice with him hitting Quincy Williams. And so uh, you all saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that the play where he got hurt? Where no, Quincy Williams got hurt? Yes. Yeah. I, appa- no, apparently Quincy Williams' um, injury has been going on for a few days. Yeah, and, that's right. And they said that after practice, he was like, all right, I just kind of want to get this checked out. And that's when they found it. But I don't think it came from that play. I heard it did. I wasn't sure if that was actually what happened. That's what I, I think they were just kind of put that together. I think they were like, oh, big news. He got hurt his knee and he got wrecked. And he got hit. Yeah. That had to be it. I, I sometimes I hate seeing like those videos out of practice, someone nailing someone else because like, dude, you don't know how fast they're going. Like, Rock and Armstrong, I've been showing a highlight tape going, hitting my boy Quincy. But anyway, um, you're in a four four five forty, so he's decently fast, especially for a um, kind of just a big man downhill runner. Fast enough to get a breakaway run if he gets a little bit of space. Yes, he gets zero to sixty so fast. Seriously, fast one I've ever seen. Like, he is going full speed before he's the line of scrimmage. It's crazy. Once again, that's not good for his vision. Like, he doesn't make cuts or anything. But, like, he that also, after it. That also tells you that he's more of a – again, if you, if you watch his tape, that this definitely suggests that his, his, best, his best five yards are his first five yards. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's seemingly the further he gets, the slower he gets. Yeah. <laughs> he's not juking out a cornerback or a linebacker. It's just kind of – Yeah, because the people that run the fastest 40s are the people that have the best acceleration. And he's got really good acceleration running a 4 4 5. That's fast, but, I mean, if you were to run 60, 70, 80 yards, he would, like, he would get lower and lower in the pack. His 10-yard dash – that they did not in the combine were probably like record breaking. <laughs> he gets downhill. It's scary. And we also have a fun fact, or fun fact about Ryko Armstead is that he recorded a sack in a game against Tulsa on college, becoming the third player in FBS history since 2000 to rush for 100 yards and register a sack in one game. Love to see it. Swiss Army knife. That's not even the stat check. That was just a little nugget for you guys. That was just a nugget that you found, decided to share with the people. Um, I know that people love the stats. So, yeah, if if Josh Allen doesn't work out, if Ngakwe's contract doesn't work out, we've got Armstead. We got Armstead, (laughs) edge rushing. What are y'all's expectations for Armstead this year? My expectation is just get some carries. Every once in a while, like, can I see him in the game? Leonard Fournette has an injury history. Yeah. If Leonard can't play, you know, if there if Leonard doesn't play three, four games, whatever, I want him to have shown enough to where the coaches can trust him to go get five, ten carries in a game. Yeah, yeah no, I, I definitely think, think what's gonna happen is Fournette will be injured at some point in the season. Hopefully not for very long. At some point, and then Blue will have kind of more of a We'll kind of change the offense around to kind of adjust for that. So Blue will get more carries and receptions than he was getting prior to Fournette's injury. But uh, Armstead will step up and be the one they get to hand the ball off to. My thing with the Armstead pick and, like, how many running backs we have. We just signed a new one today. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but we have, a big, we have a big room. His name is Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, there's never been a good NFL player named Ron. I don't think so, dude. But um, my thing with the running back room and, like, Raquel and all that, if Filippo is anything like the play calling and positions, like, set up, um, like Philadelphia has been in the last few years, if you, like, watch them pretty decently, like, a, a good amount, I don't want to say, like, you're a follower of the team, but, like, if you watch them and, like, kind of broke down, they had, like – weird like formations where they had like three running backs in the game <laughs> what? no it's it's like 
even like if you go to the yeah, it's, it's just like a package thing. Yeah, They'll it's run a, it like twice a game or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like a and like the Super Bowl, Corey Clement scored a touch. He caught a touchdown. He caught a touchdown, and Corey Clement was probably Nick the Foles third also back. caught a touchdown. That's a great point, Philly, <laughs> Philly, Philly. You know what I'm saying? I hope he does that this year once. That'd be so sick. But it's like a where Foles is under the center, and you'll have three running backs behind him, and you're like. I mean that's crazy, but like they used it in Philadelphia and they were really good at it. Yeah. So I would um, love to see like a different formation where we have some Fournette, play call. Yeah, Fournette and Alfred Blue and Raquel Armstead, and one of them runs runs like a wheel route off a of play action, and like two of them are running like I guess like one's on the real wheel and the other one's running like an out route, and you got like the defense is just confused at that point. So like I would love to see it. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. But that's just my thing. I, I don't know if Dee Filippo is anything like the OC in Philadelphia. I know he coached for him. He's the quarterback's coach. But if there's anything like it, if he likes that kind of play, play calling and formations and packages, we could see it. Why not, baby? Just why not? Let's point. do it, baby. What it do, baby? What it do, baby? Let's move on to everybody's favorite topic, the stat check. The stat check. Dalton, your stat is up first, baby. Oh, my thought is up first. All right. Um, so, last year, the Jaguars' offense was, as you know, pretty bad, right? And so, I feel like last year what kept happening is we kept getting sacked all the time. Our offensive line was trash. Maybe one of the worst offensive lines I've seen in Jaguar history. And so, it made me wonder, how many times were we sacked last year? So, so last, last year, year, we were sacked. sacked 53 times, which is, I think 39 was the average. And so that's a, that's a lot, right? And I go, all right, what is the Jaguars history? What's the worst Jaguar season for sacks? Do you guys have a guess? Like number of sacks or what year? Uh, what was the worst season? So like what, um, what year, what season was that? 2013. Yeah, guess Cam. 2014. It was indeed 2014. You're one year off, Graham. Where we got sacked 71 times. Was that a Gabbert year? Or a Bortles year? It was. That was year one. Chad Henney Bortles. Chad Henney Bortles. Bortles by himself, I believe the number was. Bortles by himself got sacked 55 times. And he only started 13 out of 16 games. Chad Henney got sacked. 16 times, which I believe is the same number or slightly lower than Peyton Manning got sacked that year, playing all 16 games. Chad Haney played three. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess 14 because I remember everyone talking about how we might be stunting Blake's growth because he was getting sacked so much. Dude, honestly, that's terrible. It's awful. It's awful. And you should not have your first-year quarterback going through that. No, and that's why people want to Blaine Gabber went through that too, similar when he was not, – not that many, but – I have no sympathy for Blaine Gabbert. I don't think Blaine Gabbert would have been good <laughs> if he had an all-pro first-team like tackle like lineup. Him getting sacked constantly his first year did not make him into the person that wears unicorn outfits, throwing pregame passes in the end zone. That was literally last year, wasn't it? <laughs> Playing for the Titans, dude. I hate yes, that guy. I, that true. I have no sympathy for Blaine Gabbert. But um, so that year in 2014, the Jaguars had 71 times that they were sacked. Um, the second in the league was the Washington Redskins, who got sacked 58 times. We were 13 sacks off from being second. That's tough. Isn't that tough? And the lowest was a Denver Broncos at 17. Yeah, 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 Peyton Manning got sacked 17 times. Chad Haney got sacked 16. Isn't that insane? That's wild. That is tough. Um, that, that is my stat shack. So, my stat shack is up next. And we were talking about Ngakwe earlier. We were talking about his contract and how part of the reason that he's making so little money right now is because he was a third-round pick. And he has obviously way outplayed that deal. But again, going into this year, at least for now, he's playing on his rookie deal, which is $2 million. And... The years prior to this, he was making even less than that. Um, 
So that prompted me to look at how did rookie deals look before the last CBA, which was in 2010, versus now? Because probably the biggest change in the CBA was how rookies get paid. So Sam Bradford, in on July 30th, 2010, signed a six-year, $78 million deal, which had $50 million of guarantees and had a maximum value of $86 million, Jesus. making it the largest contract ever for an NFL rookie. Fast forward to 2019, Kyler Murray made... Kyler Murray was the number one pick in the 2019 NFL draft, obviously. Um, he signed a fully guaranteed four-year, $35 million contract with a signing bonus of $23 million. So, you're talking about half That's the money. That's a big, big difference. You're talking about half the money per year. And I liked this example specifically, and I liked this year specifically, because Kyler Murray has even more. He had, the, he had Kyler Murray is a little bit higher than most first overall picks because he had the baseball leverage. Yeah. Of, and there's not, there's not much. The thing you have to remember with that, though, is there's not much wiggle room with um, – how much they can get paid, though. Because a lot of the, the leverage where that comes in is a lot with signing bonus, which is why his signing bonus was $23 million. That's Yeah, because that's where, that's where you're making most of your money. Yeah. That, that's where you make most of your money in your early deals. That's where you make your... I mean, the upfront money is a big deal, but... Um, but yeah, I just thought that was super interesting with how, how much Bradford made, Bradford made compared to Kyler Murray, compared to the first overall picks since then and you know that's an nfl wide thing but to bring it back to the jaguars that really affects unique because if unique had been a first rounder i think he would be a lot more open to just playing out his rookie deal kind of like jalen is doing because well jalen has two years left right doesn't he yes but no. it, it, he has one year left and we took with the fifth an year option. option yeah yeah so two years um but either way Jalen playing on his rookie deal still is not a big deal because he was a t- he was the fifth overall pick. So you're talking about he's making seven half million this year. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, which obviously, um, especially when you're still under ten million, every million really really counts. Yeah. Two versus seven, like that's a really really big deal. Yeah, it's huge. You know, if someone's making twenty two versus twenty seven it's like okay like that like that that matters, but like two versus seven, just as far as your life and your livelihood and what you can and can't spend that's a huge deal, especially considering Jalen has been making over a million since he's been in the league, and unique has literally been play he's literally made less than a million dollars since he's been in the n f l for each year he's obviously accumulated more than a million now, but this is his first year making over a million, I believe, or it was last year, but either way barely if it was last year. yeah. But you're talking about a guy that's made a Pro Bowl and should have made last year's Pro Bowl. But, I mean, he's not a huge name because he plays in Jacksonville. He's a quiet guy, whatever. But you're talking about a guy that has so grossly outperformed his deal is insane. And that's really those are really the guys that get screwed the hardest now with this new CBA and with how low they pay rookies. The guys that get screwed harder than anybody are the guys that end up being mid to late round picks that become stars because the NFL pretty much ends up stealing from them for like two or three years until they get a new deal. And a lot of times, like we're, like what happens with the Jaguars, is the team will play hardball with them because, especially if it's a position like defensive end, elite defensive ends come out of college football every year and your chance to get paid is a very small window. And we're seeing this again, and I, I think this is bound to change in the next CBA, and it'll be really interesting to see how this all turns out. And this isn't a new issue. If we want to take it back a little bit, remember Maurice Jones-Drew, he was on the radio making a point the other day talking about how the CBA, if you're a first-round pick, it calls for pretty much a five years, you're locked into that team, and then you can start bargaining for a new contract. He was talking about how he was in his, what, I think it was his seventh year, when he started bargaining for his new contract on his yeah. second deal. And he was talking about at how short the lifespans for positions like running backs are. Yeah. So if you're driving in the first round, I mean, that's probably over half your lifespan that you're being underpaid. 
if you're in a position like running back. Yeah, and then you look at by the time you're in a position to negotiate anything new, you're knocking on the door of thirty. You're at that point you're gonna you're gonna be like twenty eight ish years old, twenty seven, twenty eight. And everyone knows that thirty is like the cutoff for running backs. Yeah. You will not get paid a long term deal if you are thirty or older. It will not happen. Absolutely not. Because running backs die after thirty. They just they aren't the same player. Especially players like MJD where we're running him into the ground. We gave yeah. him those carries for a couple times. And that's the other thing, is if you are a top running back pick like that and you can be an every down back. What is to keep you? What is to keep that team from running you into the ground? They run you into the ground, and then you're not that good anymore. They draft the next guy, and then they can lowball you still because you have no leverage because no other team's going to pay you. When the mileage is that high and you're 29 years old, you're not going to get a fat deal somewhere else. So inter- interesting to see, interesting to look into. Um, Cam, what's up, dude? <sighs> Hey, what's up, guys? Nah, I'm just checking in with y'all. Um, all <laughs> Stat right. Shack, Cam. Stat, Stat Shack. Shack. Hey, guys. Stat Shack. Cam comes and goes within the pod. <laughs> yeah. He'll be out for a good 10 minutes, and then he'll come and give you like a seven-minute spiel. All right, yeah. My attention span is very little. So um, my Stat Shack has to do with a name that popped up in the news of the last two days or so. Jonathan Cyprian. Ho that's a throwback FIU name. legend. That's a throwback <laughs> name for Jags fans. He was recently picked up by the Philadelphia Eagles. And it just made me think about the expectations that we had for him in Jacksonville as a second round pick. And it made me think more about like where exactly like he's not in Jacksonville anymore, obviously, and he was in Tennessee after, but where exactly are like the players from the twenty thirteen class with Cyprian? That was Dave Caldwell's first draft in um, Jacksonville. So it's a new GM. Expectations are, you know, they're somewhat low, but excitement's high. And so I looked it up, and I found something very, very interesting that has to do with the 2013 class. Seven of the eight draft picks from 2013, which is not that long. I mean, it's it's decent amount of years. It's not – too, it's too five long. seasons. Yeah, yeah, it's really not that long ago. Those guys should be in the prime of their yeah, careers. Yes. <laughs> Seven of the eight picks are no longer in the NFL. They're out of the league. As of, as of two days ago, they just, were all out of the league until Cyprian was picked up. Yeah. <laughs> not just not on the Jaguars. They're not in the league. They are not in the NFL. They are doing <laughs> different things. They are playing overseas maybe, car dealership. Playing we're not sure. dealership. <laughs> I don't know. Picking up a different sport, who knows? No, they're selling keys for sure. Bro. Yes, that's what I'm Absolutely. thinking. I'm thinking if we went to a local Ford Auto Nation. Shout out Auto Nation for fixing my car, by the way. <laughs> I might see like A Sanders selling selling cars, <laughs> but I bro, I think A Sanders checked my uh, my check engine light at AutoZone the other day. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, I, you I, you look so familiar. Uh, A Sanders, I'm sure, but yes. Dave Caldwell's first draft with the Jaguars was horrendous. Seven of the eight no longer in the NFL. That's terrible. It is bad. It's awful. That was Luke Jokel, you're right. Luke Jokel. The next Tony Baselli, <laughs> who no longer Ooh. can get picked up by a team to be on the practice squad. It's sad. Very sad. But that's uh, my stat shack of the week, guys. <laughs> Thanks for bringing in a good stat check this hey, week. Stat check, stat check. All right. I believe that concludes episode four of the Bold City Bros podcast. Hey, guys, football, is, it's, it's, it's here. We're it's back. It's coming, baby. We're back, baby. It's coming, baby. Thursday night, Jags football. Mellow Mushroom, 730. Mellow Mushroom, Jacksonville Beach. Any, uh, we forgot to mention that. It is the Jacksonville, yeah, Jacksonville Beach. Beach. Not Southside. <laughs> no, we're Jacksonville not. Beach, Mill oh. Mushroom. Yeah, we're not going. We're, we're beach rats. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts? Final thoughts is we get to see the Jaguars play for the first time in, what is it, like eight months now? It's true. Good point That's going to be that. fantastic. Good point. We should all be looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right. Cam, final thought? any final thoughts? Uh, dude, I'll let you have your final thought. First, uh, my final nice my final thought is that um, 
The Tennessee Titans are the worst business idea in the history of Jesus America. Hey, good point. <laughs> good point about the tits, dude. Good. Um, <laughs> good point about the tits. That uh, works. Yeah, absolutely horrible business idea. Um, if they ceased to exist, that'd be fine. Um, and the Jags are freaking awesome, man. Could you imagine if we just couldn't talk Jags? What would we do as friends? Jags are going to the Super Bowl. See y'all there. All right. Y'all have a phenomenal week. And remember, the Titans' worst business idea ever. And remember to come get a free beer at Mellow Mushroom. One yingling. We don't get paid. We are. One, we don't get paid. One yingling. So. One, <laughs> All right. one yingling. Thanks for listening to the Bold City Bros. Catch us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts every Monday evening. Also follow us on Instagram at Bold City Bros Podcast or Twitter at Bold City Bros. Also visit our website at boldcitybros.home.blog.